Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a marvelous day. We'll try and keep this short and sweet, but it may go a couple minutes longer than normal since we're covering a portion of two chapters today. Today, we're going to finish up chapter six of NFPA 13, and then we're going to jump into the beginning of chapter seven. Once again, chapter six covers the requirements for the correct use of system components and hardware. Now, we left off in chapter six covering fire department connections. Continuing, we move into chapter 6.8, which is water alarm devices, which is kind of an umbrella for all system alarms. First, we have the general requirements. Water flow alarm shall be listed for this service. A water flow alarm device shall be installed so that any flow of water that is equal to or greater than the water flow that is required from one single sprinkler of the smallest K factor in the system results in an audible alarm on the premises within five minutes after the water flow begins and continues until the water flow stops. Now, does this specify a bell? Nope. Does it specify what type of alarm? No, it doesn't. It says result in an audible alarm. So this could be any number of things. Electric bell, water motor gong, horn, horn strobe, or it could be just tied directly into the building fire alarm system. So now the next thing we move into is water flow detection devices, also known as flow switches or pressure switches or water motor. So in wet pipe systems, the alarm apparatus for a wet pipe system shall consist of a listed alarm check valve or other listed water flow detection device with the necessary attachments required to give an alarm. This would be a flow switch, or in some cases a pressure switch, or like I said earlier, the water motor gong that would attach to the alarm valve. In dry pipe systems, the alarm apparatus for a dry pipe system shall consist of a listed alarm attachment to the dry pipe valve. And that's it, as far as what's covered by NFPA an apparatus attached to a dry pipe system to give an alarm. The next thing in this chapter is paddle type water flow devices, which we call a flow switch. So here we go, flow switches shall be installed on wet systems only. Then the next section we cover the actual noise making part of an alarm, uh, which can be a mechanical alarm or water motor gong, a horn, siren, a listed electric gong, bell, speaker, horn, or siren. The next thing that's covered is if the alarm is outside, the requirement is that outdoor bells shall be weatherproofed and guarded. If a water motor gong is installed, all piping to the water motor operator and devices shall be galvanized brass, copper, or stainless, and the minimum size for water motor gong piping is three-quarter inch. And trim piping that is connected to a pressure switch shall be galvanized brass, copper, stainless, and shall be at least three-eighths of an inch. Then chapter six finishes off with references to NFPA 72 covering the electrical attachments for the alarm devices to the fire alarm system. So now that we're done with chapter six, we're gonna move into chapter seven. Chapter seven covers system requirements. Now in this discussion on chapter seven, we're gonna start bringing in information from other chapters for reference. We'll start with wet system requirements. And the first thing that's mentioned are pressure gauges. An approved pressure gauge conforming to chapter 8.17.3 shall be installed in each system riser. So what information is in chapter 8.17.3? That reads a pressure gauge with a connection of not smaller than one quarter inch shall be installed at the system main drain, not in the main drain, but at the main drain, 
at each drain associated with the floor control valve and on inlet and outlet sides of pressure reducing valve. Each gauge connection shall be equipped with a shutoff valve and have provisions for draining. That's why we always use a quarter inch three-way valve for gauges. Now back into chapter seven. Pressure gauges shall be installed above and below each alarm check or system riser check valve. I want to make sure we have one thing clear on system requirements for gauges above and below check valves. This is an install requirement. This is not a retroactive thing where we're going to go write it up on an inspection report. So now moving from gauges to pressure relief valves. Here's a requirement that used to apply only to grid systems. Now it applies to all systems. A wet pipe system shall be provided with a listed relief valve at least one half inch in size and set to operate at 175 PSI or 10 PSI above the maximum system pressure, whichever is greater. Now 175 is the greater of those two and the maximum allowable pressure on a fire sprinkler system is also 175 PSI. So we're going to set our relief valves at 175. Now, if a system does have pressures greater than 175, they're probably going to be designed and installed with high pressure valves and fittings. And in that case, we would set our relief valve at greater than 175 PSI. Now, our pressure relief valves are going to be installed on the system side of check valves, riser checks, or system check valves. Now we come to auxiliary systems. Now a wet pipe sprinkler system can be used as a supply for a dry sprinkler system, a pre-action or deluge system, as long as the water supply is adequate. This means we can tie into a wet system and install a dry riser to feed an area that's exposed to freezing conditions. And speaking of freezing conditions, I know in the past we've used heat tracing on some sections of pipe that are exposed to freezing weather and, and in some circumstances that's completely fine. However, NFPA states that heat tracing shall not be used in lieu of a heated valve enclosure to protect the valve's water supply piping, basically the riser. We can't protect that from freezing with heat tracing. It has to have a heated enclosure. This means the riser has to be in a heated space and we can't wrap it and heat trace it. Now this will also be an NFPA 25 deficiency because risers have to be in a heated space. And finally, in wet system requirements, we find Air venting. Back in the day, the inspector's test connection was required to be installed on the remote area of a system. So when we would fill a system, we would open that inspector's test, bleed the air off. Well, now the inspector's test connection is no longer required to be at the remote area. So here, if we look back into chapter six that we just covered, as long as we have water flow that equals the smallest K factor in the system and it activates an alarm, the inspector's test can be installed just about anywhere, even on the riser. So what happens to the trapped air? Well, chapter seven requires an air relief valve to vent air from the system. The vent or air relief valve shall be installed and located near the highest point of the system to allow air to be removed. We're going to leave off right here and we'll pick back up in chapter 7 with dry pipe systems next time. Thank you once again for giving me a few minutes. And as always, measure twice, cut once.